Welcome to Saying the Quiet Part Out Loud, a podcast from LiveRamp that uncovers what's unsaid about technology, data, and business and explores how they intersect. I'm your host, Daniela Harkins, SVP of Commercial Strategy at LiveRamp. Today's episode is about diversity, inclusion, and belonging, or what is referred to as DIB. Often unsaid about this topic is where do I begin? Is this a problem that's worth my time or my team's time to address? We recognize that companies are at different stages of their DIB journey, and candidly, we are too. So this episode, we're sharing where we are in our journey toward creating a more equitable workplace, fulfilling our mission, of building systems and experiences that enable all LiveRampers to thrive. To dive into this topic, I will be speaking with LiveRamp's Chief People and Culture Officer, Brandon Samut. Hey, Danielle, it's great to see you. Great to see you too and talk to you. Hey, you know what? We work in an industry that loves acronyms and we're sitting here talking about diversity, inclusion and belonging. And I'd love for you, because I hear DIE, I hear DNI, I hear DIB, I'd love for you to first just take a stab at defining what the heck all of that means. <laughs> it's a good jumping off point, Daniela, because I've seen over and over again that our sense as leaders that we may not be fluent in these definitions can be a, a blocker to, to getting in the game. A lot of companies use the terms DIB, DEI, and DANDI interchangeably as a kind of core term for their work on diversity. The words within those terms actually mean fairly different things, even if the work that they're pointed at is meant to imply something very similar. So let's break it down. So, you know, at least at LiveRamp, the way that we would think about those terms is, hey, you know, we, we call it diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Diversity being kind of the blends of characteristics, right, that people bring into the room, as it were. Inclusion, right, being kind of who actually has a seat at the table where things are being built or decisions are being made. And then belonging. Belonging has to do with and, and what happens with that information that's being shared, right? Do people have a equal playing field on which all of those different perspectives and experiences are valued, not just respected? So DEI is another very common one, diversity, equity, and inclusion. The equity piece is really important. And equity, put really simply, are processes, programs, and practices that are all designed to produce like fair outcomes, you know, to have equitable systems within a company or a product that works in equitable ways, you know, out in the field. You have to have an understanding of some of the things that can get in the way of fair and equitable outcomes. And as we learn and wrap our heads around what that means for the work that we do inside the company and outside with our customers, we're learning more and more about things that we can build, our new processes that we can form that produce those types of equitable outcomes. Interesting. I want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier about diversity, inclusion, and belonging, so DIB, and that being a really critical and important component of LiveRamp. Can you talk to me about why it's so important Sure. We think about it in a couple different ways. And and what I'm about to share in many ways is paraphrasing what we've heard from our own employees. If we want to be an organization that matters, if we want to be proud of what we build and how we build it, if we want to be satisfied with the outcomes we can produce with our customers, right? We need brilliance inside this company. And we believe that brilliance comes from everywhere. So one of the reasons why we focus on diversity, inclusion, and belonging at the company is that The type of talent that we need to produce everything I just described is very hard to find. And we need to think big about 
how to attract folks from all backgrounds to help us build our future, and also how to make sure that the people we already have are able to thrive. And there's a second piece as well. There's a lot of research that shows that teams that are more demographically diverse can produce better outcomes. And companies whose leaders or boards are more diverse can also produce stronger outcomes relative to their peers over time. We've read a lot of those studies. We affirm a lot of those studies. And I'll channel Scott Howard, CEO, in saying this last piece, which is, you know, that even if those studies had not yet been done, even if that data was not yet so clear, it would still be right for us to focus on this because we know that there are histories and systems at play that do not enable everyone to thrive and be their best and do their best. And so even absent a quantifiable business benefit, which we do believe exists, it would still be the right thing to do. Absolutely. One of the things that I think about is when we think about putting strategies and programs in place, it's easier, let's say, to build the program itself. It's harder to enforce the behavioral changes or to put things into action. So can you talk a little bit about when we think about DIB within LiveRamp, how does that manifest itself? How do you make it real? Well, Daniela, the, the way you have talked about it there as kind of more systems level is exactly the way that we are thinking about this. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, like as a product focused company, like it's part of our orientation is to think about things at the system level. But there's one other reason, which is that understanding the things that get in the way of people doing and being their best, right? So racism, point blank, would be an example of something that inhibits brilliance from coming to the surface, from people doing and being their best. And if you believe that racism is the product of a set of systems, then you kind of immediately start thinking about how do you interrupt those systems with systems, right? And so in other words, like in any other part of our business, we wouldn't ask people to apply good intentions or purely good individual efforts in an attempt to build or scale or change a system. And we believe the same thing is true here. So to be really specific, the strategy that we're developing around diversity, inclusion, and belonging has three pieces. The first is inward facing. It starts with ourselves, workforce, right? That's, you know, how do we make sure we attract brilliance from all corners of the planet and enable those folks to do the best work of their lives while they're here together and with our customers? The second piece actually does have to do with our products and customers, right? How do we build and deliver our products in ways that are inclusive and equitable? And how do we work with our customers in ways that do the same? And then our third pillar is community. LiveRamp has official offices in 13 different places all over the world and people in even more places than that. And so when it comes to the intersection of our people, our products and our communities, what can we be doing in the places where we live and work to have an impact? And in all three of those pillars, we are working to address things at a systems level and to get really practical in recruiting, for example, we know that who you know sometimes influences how prepared you can be for an interview, how much you know about the company, how it works, or even the person that's hiring for the job. So one way that we're trying to create equity in that particular part of our recruiting program is to actually just give all candidates access to an unusual amount of information about who we are and how our products operate. And in doing so, effectively to level the playing field so that who you know may be one of the ways that you first get interested in LiveRamp, but isn't the thing that ultimately determines whether you get the job or not. Very interesting. And I love the way you talk about it in terms of what we're doing, inward facing products and customers, and then ultimately community. I want to shift it a little bit because we obviously work within the MarTech and AdTech industry. And I'd love to get your thoughts on how do we apply the DIB practice that we have internally to the larger industry in general? 
Sure. Well, in marketing and marketing technology in particular, we have, I think, even more opportunity to influence and have a positive impact than, than many other industries, because so much of what we do is create messages, tell stories, and to do so in ways that really connect with people, that really inspire new ways of thinking and new actions. And so it, it can be so easy to boil that down simply into like inspiring purchase decisions or what have you. But wow, when you zoom out, like the capabilities that we have in industry are about a whole lot more than that. That obviously has influence on in how we do, like I'd say the brass tacks, right, of marketing through technology, which can include purchase decisions and brand affinity and, and what have you. But to do so in ways that are inclusive and equitable, which audiences are we reaching? Are the messages that we're communicating inspiring to the full range of people we would hope to affiliate with our brand, with our organization? How can we create marketing loops that are two-way in addition to one-way using technology to make sure we're getting more and better user feedback from more diverse populations so we can understand how to better build and scale our products for everyone, which obviously has great business impact, but also opens up the impact or the benefits of what we build to more and more people. It's in some ways hard to think of an industry that has a bigger opportunity to have an impact on this topic. Well, Brandon, as usual, I have learned from you specifically the power and importance around diversity, inclusion, and belonging, and you continue to inspire me. So thank you very much for joining me today. It was a joy to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Likewise, Daniela. Thank you. Next, you'll hear from Brandon and Anika Gupta, president of Platforms and Products at LiveRamp, both executives and both members of our DIB Council on projects we're working on now. Hey, Anika. Hey, how's it going? I am doing great. Anika, I want to ask you about the diversity, inclusion, and belonging efforts at LiveRamp under our third pillar, community. How are you seeing diversity, inclusion, and belonging being leveraged through our Data for Good program? Yeah, this is a great topic. When we think about diversity, inclusion, and belonging at LiveRamp, we think about it within our four walls, but then we also think about what is the larger impact that we can have on the world around us. And I think we have a responsibility to all of the different constituents that we serve, whether it's our employees, our customers, or people at large, to use our technology, use our data, use our products to bring about a better world. So Data for Good is an initiative that we launched a couple of years ago to really look at how can we partner with various nonprofit organizations? How can we partner with our customers? How can we partner with data providers and leverage data to bring about a better outcomes in society? So for instance, some of the initiatives that we have launched recently around COVID have been about how do we take data and reduce bias in outcomes? We know that uh, for COVID specifically, underrepresented minorities and people within lower socioeconomic statuses tend to have much more adverse outcomes with respect to COVID or getting COVID at a higher rate, they're dying at a higher rate, which is not okay. And we're partnering with different organizations to say, hey, how can we use data to better understand these outcomes and figure out with healthcare providers and with other organizations, what can be done to prevent these outcomes? What can we do to help make sure that communities have the resources they need to go make sure that each and every one of their citizens and people that live in those communities can be healthy, can be successful, can see social mobility. Right on, Annika. 
And let's zoom out a little bit too. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, so much perceived traction among so many organizations on the topic of diversity and inclusion, especially over the last six months. And in some sense, that's encouraging to see. And in some sense, it reminds me, wow, like this should have mattered so greatly long before yeah. the past <laughs> six months. What do you make of that? What I think is really special about this moment is that there's finally a recognition that what we've been doing is not enough and that in order for us to really impact and affect change, we have to fundamentally think differently about the way that we're approaching diversity, inclusion and belonging and look at our overall systems, look at how those need to change and start saying, hey, what can we do that is really going to move the needle? What can we do that's fundamentally a different approach than what we've taken before that can drastically move the needle instead of trying to make little fixes along the edges that are helping make incremental progress, but are not really helping us take a major step forward. So I'm really excited about the time that we're in now because there is so much momentum and it's not a one person thing. It's not like as a leader of an organization, you can be driving this forward on your own. You need everyone in the organization. We need everyone across our industry and across the entire business community to step up and say, we're not doing a good enough job. We have to change and we have to fundamentally think about this problem in a different light so that we can actually produce better outcomes in the next 10 years than we have in the previous 10 years. Monica, what would you have to say for leaders and organizations that Think about the aspiration that you're describing and are in the first steps of their journey. That climb can look daunting. Well, I think whether you're in the first steps of this journey or you've been thinking about and creating DIB programs for a couple of years now, I think we all look at it as a really daunting challenge. Of We're trying to fundamentally change something that has systemic roots in our society. We're not always going to be able to make giant leaps forward week over week. Instead, we have to get comfortable with the fact that we've got to set a direction and continue to iterate and continue to make progress towards a, a larger direction and vision. I think of it a lot as developing products because that's my background. When you have a big product vision, you set a big vision for where you want to take your products, what is the problem that you want to solve for your customers, and it may be really different than where you are today. And you see this with startups all the time. They're setting a really big vision, but they're starting with a small fraction of that to get a foothold, and then they're building on top of that. And I think about DIB initiatives the same way. It's like you have to start somewhere. You have to start and you have to find a problem that you can solve where you can build a foundation and then build on top of that foundation. And every organization has to figure out what are those kind of first steps that they're going to take? What is the foundation that they're going to lay? And what is that vision that you're working towards? Because you can set a really big vision without having to know every step that you're going to have to take to get there. Monica, that is a powerful point this notion that the way that we might lead on diversity and inclusion has a lot of the same principles as how we would think about leadership for the overall organization. It's really inspiring to hear you talk about it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's what gives me hope and optimism that as a business community, we can make these changes because what is being asked is not actually outside of the way that we 
think about operating our businesses. I'm curious to hear from you since you've been leading a lot of the DIB initiatives at LiveRamp for a while. How do you approach people and leaders that are maybe more skeptical or hesitant to lean into these kinds of issues? How do you approach them and help them get engaged in being an owner and taking action with regards to diversity, inclusion, and belonging? That's a good question, Annika. I typically run into two types of hesitation. The first is kind of the hesitation of something new. They know enough to know that they don't have the vocabulary or that shared foundation of what are we talking about, much less what should I be doing? And that can be intimidating. My call to action, my encouragement for folks who are feeling that today is you've done this before. And then this may not be work on diversity, inclusion, belonging, but you have climbed learning curves before on stuff that you knew little to nothing about. And this may feel different because the stakes of getting it wrong may feel more personal or what have you. And so invite folks, validate that because that's a signal you understand it's important and you want to get it right. But don't let that be the thing that holds you back. And I think the other thing is like, you know, from whose perspective are you going to make that decision on how heavy to lean in? Because when I talk with live rampers from underrepresented backgrounds, you know, on, on a topic like leaning in for, say, like a white male leader like myself, there's an understanding that I'm not always going to get it right the first time. But I go out of my way to acknowledge that I'm going to go ahead. Right. I'm going to go ahead and make the investment anyway, because the long term payoff of someone in my position with my background being in the game and listening and learning is pretty important. And then the second piece of resistance I sometimes hear is actually just that like this, this notion that talking about diversity and inclusion or talking about things like race and gender in the workplace is that you don't do that here. It's like, we don't talk about race in the workplace. And there's almost a little bit of compliance driven fear of, well, if we start talking about this, you know, we might not like what we hear. And the truth of the matter is when you create an inclusive space where folks, especially from underrepresented backgrounds can start talking about their experiences and in ways that the company could be doing better, you will hear things that are hard to hear. You will have uncomfortable conversations. And the key to all of this for me personally has been oftentimes in this work, my discomfort as a privileged leader, my discomfort is oftentimes a sign that we are making progress because my discomfort can produce equity for others. Yeah, that's such a powerful message. We have to realize that we're not always going to say the right thing exactly the right way. And we'll learn from that and get better for next time. And we also have to recognize that, yeah, there is an element of risk that you may be taking from your career perspective to speak out, but you have to weigh that with what is the company that I want to be in? What is the society that I want to have going forward and push through that? 100%. And the payoffs are meaningful as we've seen in a variety of organizations. And I, I think my parting thought on this would be, this feels like a special time in the US and around the world on the topic of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And each leadership team of every organization has to make a decision about whether they're going to use this as an opportunity to take a huge step forward or take a defensive posture and wait for it to pass. And for leadership teams that are building companies that they want to be brilliant and exceptional, there's really only one choice in that pair, which is to lean in and push through the newness in some cases, and certainly discomfort, which is just part of the journey, and do it. But even beyond all of that, like you just think about the arc of history, companies make history. We're in society. We do not get to choose whether to be in the game. We are in the game. We do not sit apart from what's going on in the world. And so one way or another, we're going to have an impact. So beyond all the business benefits, right, of doing this work and doing it well, there's just also this notion that at the end of the day, as we live our lives, like we want to be able to look back as leaders who felt like we were on the right side of history. 
I love that notion of companies making history, big or small. We all have a role to play in building the world we want. To be successful in changing the system, everyone needs to be a guardian of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. This podcast was brought to you by LiveRamp. You can find us online at liveramp.com and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at LiveRamp. Subscribe to Saying the Quiet Part Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you listen to podcasts.